this morning I want to bring to you the second of a four-part uh, series uh, entitled Coming Soon. In the first message uh, a couple of weeks ago, I took that phrase from the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. And I invite us to sort of just imagine for a moment what that would look like if, if a bit of heaven came down to earth. And what actually do we mean when we actually pray that in, our, in the Lord's Prayer? What does it mean when heaven manifests itself here on earth? And we considered how that uh, happened in, of course, a most dramatic way um, at Christmas, as we call it today, the time when, when God became incarnate amongst us, when the Word became flesh, when a bit of heaven touched earth and there was a fusion between the two, when God, as Jesus, became God-man and lived among us. But I also mentioned that heaven should not be, be viewed as a geographical place, even though with my hands I've been talking about heaven and earth. Um, I also made the point that maybe heaven isn't beyond the blue horizon or by a river, but actually heaven is, is actually where God is. And if God is in our hearts, then there's a bit of heaven in our hearts as well. So we actually thought a little bit about that and about the fact that God wants to make his resting place, not an external tabernacle or, or temple, but actually he's made us into a special people. He's made us into his holy temple and he comes and, and dwells within our hearts and lives. So now in this second message on this first Sunday in Advent, I want us to get a little bit closer to the action. I want to take you to Bethlehem. Oh, I, I wish I could. Um, I want to take release in your mind's eye to that earthly scene where Jesus entered earth as he brought heaven to earth. We're now in Advent. Uh, the carols have started to be sung even during our offering. We got a glimpse of Christmas. Um, the trees are up and the cards are being written and the presents being bought as I said earlier. And so let's see if we can get into that Christmas scene in our message here this morning as we celebrate God's great gift to us that uh, Christ was not only born 2,000 years ago, but he continues to be born in the hearts of each one of us, that Jesus, in that sense, is coming soon. Um, to say that scene, I'd like us to read together, actually. I'd like us to have a responsive Bible reading this morning. Let's read together these very well-known verses in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. In fact, they're well-known verses, but we may not have actually read them or heard them being read for about 12 months now. So let's, let's go back to them. Let's share them together. Um, on the screen, uh, please respond when it's got all. Uh, please uh, come in then. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, together, 
Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Amen. It's great narrative, isn't it? It's a fantastic occasion. If you could just stand back from the familiarity of those words and to think again about this momentous moment, this this, uh, event. And although in one of our carols we say how silently, how silently the wondrous gift is given, the impact was anything really but silent, wasn't it? It was it wasn't a passive thing. It was an eye-opening, mind-blowing event that confronted these people who propelled them to witness about it. And the coming of Jesus does that for us today. Wouldn't you agree? Jesus coming and dwelling in our hearts, we becoming Christians, we having Christ in us, is actually a momentous event. We've heard testimonies, we've we recently had a soldier being, being enrolled. He used the word that Jesus has turned my world upside down. You know, and that's what happens when Jesus comes and, and is born again in the lives of each one of us. And in a sense, although I'd love to take you to Bethlehem, we can't be there this morning, in a sense we've all been first-hand witnesses at Bethlehem. When Jesus has been born in the mangers of our hearts, then Jesus becomes that reality and actually... A 2,000-year-old event actually becomes bang up to date. I know we live in days of TV reality shows. They're very much in vogue at the moment. Um, But as much as we try, you can't recreate uh, someone being born in a manger 2,000 years ago. But I'd like us to see this morning if we can make that event a little more real, make this a church reality show in, in a sense. And the first thing I want to, want to do this morning is, um, is take you to that manger. I, I saw actually someone interviewed quite recently on the telly, and this person said that these reality TV shows is not quite as real as it seems. It's a bit contrived, and it is a bit orchestrated. And I don't know if you've seen the headlines in this, today's paper, all you Strictly fans. That's all this uh, being said about, you know, strictly being orchestrated. Are the judges told what to say and do? Well, you know, one of the, the, the head judge, what's the head judge called? Len. Len. Well, Len. It comes from Len, so it must be uh, the gospel truth. Len says, no, it's not orchestrated. Uh, what they say is, is, is right. And it, it's great, isn't it, to know that not everything we watch on TV is orchestrated. But unfortunately, sometimes uh, the Christmas story has suffered that same fate. It has been orchestrated in some ways. It has been westernized. Uh, We butted it up, um, and it becomes something far from the real thing. 
something cuddly and warm, and something that's satisfying. You see, for a start, unfortunately, there weren't any wise men at the nativity scene. I'm sorry to disappoint you, and if you go into our bookshop, you'll see some lovely wooden nativity scenes with shepherds and Mary and Joseph and the baby, and also the three wise men. Well, see if you can get a refund, because uh, the three wise men weren't actually at the manger scene. Um, They would have come about 18 months after Jesus was born. Jesus would have been well established at his local parent and toddler club by the time the wise men appeared on the scene. Also, I know this is going to really disappoint you, but no one was singing Silent Night when Jesus was born. There were no scented candles. And worst of all, I'm glad you're sitting down, worst of all, there was no Salvation Army band playing on a street corner when Jesus was born. It really is bad news, isn't it? It's really not very good. In fact, the, the, the wise men were not even wise, not, they weren't even kings. I know we're selling some cards in our bookshop as well. You could buy a Christmas card with the three kings, you know, sitting on their camels, you know, smiling at you with the crowns on, with the nice big presents. And we buy those kind of cards and send them to each other. But they came from the east, as we know, and where they came from from the east, they didn't ride on camels. They rode on horses. So they came riding on horseback. They had a thousand-mile journey. They wanted to be there for the manger scene. They weren't kings. They were actually magi. They were kingmakers. They were priests, actually. They were kingmakers. That's why, of course, King Herod interfered and got in the way of them, tried to stop them, because he was a jealous king, didn't want any other kings to be made. Um, and the other thing is the Bible doesn't say there were three of them. So they weren't three. They came on horseback, not on camels. They weren't kings. They were priests. Apart from that, we've got the story spot on. You see what I mean? We've westernized it and butted it up and made it something that is far from reality. And so in the few minutes I have left this morning, I want us to try to get real about, um, about Jesus coming. Jesus actually was born, if you want to, to, to be quite literal about it, he was born into a feeding trough. An animal's feeding trough. He, 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 he was born in, in a manger which normally would be full of animal food and the animals would feed from it. And so it's quite interesting, isn't it? The baby that was born in a trough which brought food, uh, he himself later should say words like, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. Jesus was born in a feeding trough, and later on in his life, he said, I am the bread of life. In fact, you know, the word Bethlehem actually means house of bread. The bread of life was born in a feeding trough, and he came from the house of bread. And he offers to people like you and me, to sinners, to outcasts, to people who even don't deserve it, he offers us the bread of life. The invitation is to come and not just to witness a baby in a manger in a feeding trough, but actually to satisfy the, the hunger and thirst of our soul in Jesus. We have a lot in common with a manger too, don't we? The, the manger, the original manger, would have been very plain and very ordinary. And I am very plain and very ordinary. The manger, manger was very rough, and I... I'm rough at the edges as well. The manger was hollow, and without Christ, I am hollow. The, the manger was empty, and, and I can be empty until Christ makes his heart uh, my, his home. Without him, I'm hollow and empty. I'm messed up. I'm ordinary. I'm rough. I am nothing. I'm, I'm nothing but a rough manger until Jesus makes his presence 
it's him that makes the difference. If there's anything beautiful in any of our lives, it's because Jesus has made something beautiful. And the second and final thing, I know that's your favorite word in my sermon, finally, friends. The the second and final word I want to bring to you is, is, is this thing about the swaddling bands, you know, the cloths. Uh, that is, is mentioned. Um, let's, let's read what Luke says about them. I'm just quite intrigued why we should know about them. Mary says about them that she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in bands of cloth, and laid him in a manger. And so the first baby grow for Jesus was... Um, was these swaddling bands. Uh, we, we've just had a, a new grandchild just born a, just over a week ago now. Of course, we've been up there already. And of course, um, mum is putting the nice new baby grows on that have been bought for the new baby. But Jesus' first new clothes were these swaddling bands, these, just these pieces of cloth. This idea of wrapping a baby in swaddling bands was so that it would keep the, the baby warm, keep the, the baby tight and secure. Um, and, and these bands had actually been used uh, not just 2,000 years ago, but over 4,000 years ago. They would have been used in the days of Abraham. And they've been used ever since then, right up until the 16th century, and even here in the UK. In fact, the picture you can see on the screen of swaddling bands uh, were actually used in the UK. They were made in Italy, but made in the UK, and they were used around about 1575. And if you really want to make your Christmas complete, you can go along to the Victoria and Albert's Museum of Childhood and actually see some genuine swaddling bands, some cloths similar to what Jesus would have been wrapped in. The only difference is they wouldn't have been embroidered like this. They're, of course, swaddling bands were later... Uh, changed by uh, christening gowns and, and cloths and so something more ornate. But the cloth that Jesus would have been wrapped in would have been very simple, very ordinary, even a bit rough maybe. Just the first thing that Mary could lay her hands on. What about you? I'm, I'm just always interested in the detail of Scripture. And the detail, why Dr. Luke should give us the detail that Jesus was actually wearing these swaddling cloths. We never, ever are told what Jesus wears, are we? I know we, we tend to see pictures of what he could have looked like. We, we never are told. And Jesus on this day, you know, Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee. He was wearing his pinstripe super suit and hush puppies. As he said to the fishermen, Castro, he, he never... He never the gospel writers never tell us. So why actually does a gospel writer want to tell us what Jesus was wearing on this occasion? Well, the answer may be this. That in the Middle East, these cloths, these pieces of cloth, were also used as a shawl by, by the women. They were, they were like dual purpose. And these shawls were used for many things. And it could well have been that Mary used this shawl uh, this cloth that was wrapped around her as the first thing that she would wrap around the baby. But in those days, people didn't live as long as they do today. And even whilst you're on a journey, if you were traveling to Jerusalem for Passover, and if you died on that journey, uh, or, or whilst you were visiting Jerusalem, in the heat of that country, you didn't have time to wait for a coffin to be made to measure for you. You were literally buried the same day. And what they would do is use that shawl as a burial cloth and wrap the body in that shawl and bury the person on the same day that they died. 
And as soon as you think about that, you think about Mary using her shawl, what would be her, her burial cloth, and wrapping her baby in it. And suddenly, a cross is cast over the manger. That the birth of Jesus is never separated from the death of Jesus. That Jesus was not only born to, to live, to, to, to minister, but he, 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 from the very beginning, was born to die. The Calvary cross casts a shadow over the manger scene. I do just want to finally mention about the shepherds, because they were the first visitors to the manger, weren't they? And um, here they are. They're the lowliest of the lowest of shepherds. In fact, they were really the outcasts of the day. They weren't allowed to go to the temple. You wouldn't hang around with a bunch of shepherds. You really wouldn't. And yet, God chose to announce this momentous occasion to a bunch of shepherds who were having a sleepover in a field as they watched over their sheep. It's strange. It's kind of mysterious. And here's the verse that we will know so well. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over the flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. Don't you love the honesty of the Bible? I don't know about you, you know, as Luke's trying to paint this wonderful scene, wonderful moment, he could have left out that word terrified, couldn't he? But the shepherds were terrified. I've never, never seen uh, an, an angel, not to, uh, that I'm aware of. I, I mean, I exclude my wife, of course. Um, I've never seen an angel, but um, I guess it must be a terrifying occasion, especially in the middle of the, of the night. Um, and, and it's really interesting that nearly every time that an angel appears in the Bible, the first thing that someone says is, is that they're terrified. And the first thing that an angel always says in, in response is, don't be afraid. An angel always says that, don't be afraid. And that's what happens in this occasion. Don't be afraid. Now, the amazing thing is, is that this is an amazing thing. It's an amazing story. And, and, and it's not something for us to be terrified or afraid about, but it is something for us to be in awe about. And this separates Christianity from all other major world religions, that Christianity is about good news. Christianity is about the fact that into the bad news of our world, into the darkness of our world, God so loved it and loved us that he sent good news. He sent God in Jesus. And what we're talking about today, what we'll be witnessing about in these next few weeks, is the good news that God so loved us and loves them that God chose to bring himself through Jesus into this world. The scripture continues, I bring you good news, says the angel. I bring you good news of great joy that will be with you and will, will be with all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ. He is the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. And you'll find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. And suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. Wow. It's some event, isn't it? When Jesus comes, when thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it always is in heaven. When the priest of Prince of Peace, when he who is sat at the right fulfilled. 
Dear friends, on this first Sunday in Advent, I'm pleased to announce that Jesus has come. But he's also coming soon. And you don't have to wait for the second Advent. The first Advent is still ongoing. When Jesus can be born in the hearts of each one of us. When the manger scene can be in you and in me. And the shepherds are a reminder that someone very special came into the very ordinary. And Jesus continues to make his home in the mangers and in the tabernacles, his dwelling place, and the ordinary people like you and me. If we make room, if we open our hearts, if we, if we adore, if we worship, then we too can become the dwelling place of the Christ child. So watch out. Jesus is coming soon. It would be great if we could all have been first-hand witnesses to Bethlehem when Jesus was born in that manger. But we can still be witnesses, and not just second-rate, second-hand witnesses, but real witnesses. Because when Jesus is born, he is coming soon into your life and into mine, as Jesus continues to be born in us today. Amen.